My name's Matthew Whitehouse. You're listening to The Face Podcast. Every week, we're going to look at the biggest stories from the worlds of music, movies, fashion and politics. We're going to discuss what's hot and what's not. And we're going to give you the face take on everything from the Brits to the Oscars to Fashion Week and everything in between. So we're joined today by Face Music Director Davey Reed and Face Contributor Ali Shuttler. And, and, and this week we're talking about gig tickets. So to be more specific, the sort of exorbitant cost of, of gig tickets at the moment, which it feels like lots of people, people that I know and people that I follow on the internet are, are, are talking about a lot. And Ali, you've written about ticket prices for The Face before, right? Yeah, um, did an article last year because it just kind of felt like every Friday, Twitter was full of people, you know, a few people being like, yeah, yeah, I got tickets for this. But mm. the vast majority of people being like, how much? Yeah. Like, I can't afford to pay, you know, upwards of £100 to see a couple of hours of music, no matter how much I want to, just because, you know, especially with like the amount of gigs that are being announced totally. and stuff at the moment. I think the vibe for, for most people was, yeah, they're really expensive, you know, for a variety of reasons, some justified, some less so. I guess the big one recently has been Beyonce, the yeah. Renaissance tour, right? Like, I managed to get um, a couple of tickets for the Sunderland show. Uh, I'm not going to say how much they were because they were a gift for my sister and she might listen to this. <laughs> but <laughs> we were generous, you know, and they're like, and that was a discourse, right? Like the Renaissance tour. So like, Ali, can you remember how much they were? Well, I think it says they were starting like 50 quid, but I didn't see any below sort of 150, 200. And it, I mean, they they went up to, obviously you had the VIP ones, which I think you can sit on stage and watch the show for like two grand. But also then you had like the platinum ones, which sort of Ticketmaster keeps back and they're like really good seats that they kind of charge for. And like that's dynamic pricing. So it's like Uber, like the more popular it is, the more it goes up. And at one point they were like, three thousand pounds for two like a seat so the more people that are trying to buy tickets at one time will will make the prices fluctuate yeah how common is that it's it's more it's a thing they do in america and right. they've started to introduce over here because obviously you've got the platinum tickets which were kind of just more here's some tickets that are more expensive but they're the good seats yeah but now it kind of fluctuates depending on sales like it does kind of go up like i saw someone say that on one pre-sale the rear standing tickets were like 100 150 quid and when they went on general sale, they'd be bumped up to 200. So it's not just uh, a case of they are doing these tiered seating and some, you know, some places sit in the arena cost more. They are doing this kind of dynamic thing that is really, really quickly due to the yeah. demand for gigs, you know, is pushing prices up straight away. Yeah. I mean, some people that say like, oh, you know, I, I went to check out, didn't get tickets, went back to get them. By the time I'd done that, you know, they'd like doubled in price sort of thing. Wow. And it's interesting. They do the dynamic pricing, but it never goes down. Yeah, <laughs> it hasn't sold out. It's like, oh, do you want to come for a fiver? And the demand is there, presumably, because we, we were so starved of gigs for two, three years during the pandemic, and a lot of major artists are now touring. Because we're talking about major artists, right? Yeah. Who, who it's not like you're going to get the dynamic price in, you know, down at the Frog and Bucket. You know, it's kind of this is the O2 Arena. We're talking yeah. about places like that. What's kind of the sort of average ticket price for one of those sort of top tier shows? What are you sort of looking at for kind of a O2 Arena? Yeah, like right. a big, a, you know, a big kind of arena concert. I think you're looking at at least 100 quid like i know like fallout boy and blink blink those tickets are 100 quid not too long ago that was they were 50 quid yeah and i can't imagine love both those bands but i can't imagine either of them have got like a particularly innovative like stage show that requires that mm. when did this start like i remember 
I think the first time this discourse of like, well, like big gigs have got out of control in terms of prices was probably when Kendrick came in 2017, I think. And I think the tickets were about 70 or 80 quid, um, which seems kind of quaint now. Yeah. But there was discourse hmm. there and there was, I remember there was an article, Noisy, um, written by Ryan Basil, which like, sorry, Ryan, because I wouldn't like it. Well, I've written five <laughs> years ago because people's opinions <laughs> change. But that was like a counter argument because people complaining and he made the argument at the time that like, hang on a second, this is a huge uh, Kendrick Lamar show, huge production. There's a band, so much goes into this. Uh, There's a line like, you know, how could you expect this to cost less than a pair of Nike Air Max? And so it's like, yeah, is there an argument that, you know, is this just like us not valuing art and not valuing music and it, this kind of sort of Spotify culture of getting everything for so cheap? The problem with that argument is, is I don't get the sense that the money's going in the artist's pockets. No, well, you look at, you know, it's, it seems like an easy one, but you look at like Ticketmaster fees. Like I was looking at a concert, you know, over <coughs> the weekend, it was, face value was like 38 quid, but once you add all the fees, like it was 55 quid which I think if my maths is right, is like 20, 30% right. on top. So it's not even, it's the artists that are pushing up these prices themselves. And in many cases, it's the ticket company. I, I don't think so. I don't, right. I, I can't imagine a lot of artists are being like, yeah, let's see how much money we can squeeze out yeah. of our fans. Yeah. To what extent is this some evil sort of villains <laughs> at Ticketmaster chomping on scars and laughing at us all? And to what extent is it just necessary because of the state of the world? I mean, I think some of it is necessary. You look at Glastonbury, they, you know, a non-profit chari- uh, festival where all the money goes to charity. And I think their ticket prices have gone up 20% this year. Like, they, they, you know, they're at 300 quid, but I can't imagine Michael Eaves has gone, probably going to retire soon. Let's <laughs> let's try and squeeze this for all it's worth. <laughs> you know, and, you know, things are more expensive. You know, I've spoken to a couple of like grassroots venues and like they're, they're struggling because like rents are going up. You know, it costs more money to drive to shows, to move production. You know, electricity is more expensive, water is more expensive. All the things that cost to put on a show are getting more expensive. So I think some of it is things do go up. There's people always sharing tickets from like, oh, you know, in the 70s, I paid three quid to watch all these legendary bands. And like, of course, you're not going to get that nowadays. (laughs) But it does kind of feel like Ticketmaster and other companies like that are they've gotten away with it for so long. They're like, they're trying to see how far they can push it mm. to a degree with, you know, platinum mm. pricing, with dynamic pricing, with fees. What are you paying for, for platinum? Sorry. what does So platinum tickets are basically, I think originally it was, it was this idea like, oh, ticket, ticket touts are making, you know, sh- buying these gig tickets mm. up and making them really expensive. Let's find a way to get, so the artists can get that money. Right. So basically it's legalized touting. It's where Ticketmaster takes, a percentage of tickets and charges more money for them. And the artist has to agree to this, but it seems that they all do. And the argument that it's better for the fans doesn't really seem to work because there's, there are still people selling fake tickets and stuff. So all you're really doing is paying more money for the same thing. Right, right, right. And we're, and we're, and we're referring to Ticketmaster, but presumably the other ticket uh, vendors are, are kind of uh, also responsible for this. Se- I haven't seen it. I know right, right. I, I know that a lot of them do fees and stuff like that, but I haven't seen, I don't think C-Tickets has one. Right. Dice definitely don't. Like, mm. I, think, I think Ticketmaster kind of has a monopoly at mm. the moment on a lot mm. of gig tickets. Like, you know, there's all the outrage in America with like, the Taylor Swift pre-sale tour. First, there was the anticipation. But when the queue opened up to finally buy tickets for Taylor Swift's upcoming stadium tour, oh, no, what for fans, the Swifties went from freaking out Are you joking? What? to melting down. 
So basically, America, they do this, Ticketmaster in America do this verified fan thing. So it's basically a lottery before you can buy tickets to try and, you know, make it run easier or whatever, but it didn't work. It crashed the, it crashed the system. So many people like couldn't buy tickets and it, there were so many complaints, obviously, because, you know, Taylor Swift was a huge, huge tour and she's got so many fans. There was such an outrage over it. Like, I think someone in like American politics, like we're going to investigate this because it doesn't seem fair. And like, I think it's going to like court and stuff like that, like a proper full on investigation into like Ticketmaster's practices and stuff like that. Wow. Um, so you mentioned, you know, the rising cost of fuel and the, and the cost of putting on a show. And, and, and I think all consumers can expect to rise from that three pound of seeing, you know, <laughs> all these great bands in the 1970s. But it does seem like that we are outstripping inflation, right? With tickets. It's not, it's not really growing in line with, with inflation. It's really going beyond something that your average consumer or your average gig goer can't really afford. Yeah, I believe so. It does kind of feel like it's getting to the point where a vast majority of, normal people mm. aren't can't just kind of go to gig on a whim it's yeah. kind of like an investment or something they really need to consider which sort of takes the joy out of it a bit i guess like it i can't imagine you're at beyonce and you're having your best time but somewhere in the back of your mind's like i've paid an awful lot of money <laughs> like, you know i'm gonna have to work like x amount of hours to yeah. kind of yeah, of course. And and as well you presume as well i mean i don't know if you agree with this david you would presume it changes a concert for an artist as well, if you look out over a sea of people who aren't kind of your grassroots fans, but just the people who can afford these kind of bonkers ticket prices, it must change the vibe at a concert, you know? Yeah, I mean, it, it's a horrible, I mean, I guess we should talk about the cultural implications of all this. Like, you know, a lot of a lot of music is working class music and it's working class culture. And it's just, yeah, it's kind of messed up that like, you know, people can be making music and they're not looking out to see people from similar backgrounds to them. Um, who've shared the experiences which their music's about. Like, that's a dark thought, really. Yeah, I, I kind of wonder about the how it's going to affect youth culture more generally, you know? Like, mm -hmm. you know, if you think about most people, right, like, have more uh, disposal income when they're 45 than when they're 22, right? Like, not everyone, things can happen in your life, but that's usually how it goes. Mm -hmm. So, like, if gigs seem like really only an option for people who are kind of in the 30s onwards then will that affect who headlines festivals who gets the tour and then will that then again like shape the kind of demand for certain types of music like i kind of even think sometimes about like some of the you know guitar bands we've had in the uk the last few years and in ireland as well which have done well like you know idols and, and fontaine's dc and i like these bands maybe maybe black country new road to an extent mm -hmm. i like these bands and i you know i like their gigs but you do notice that there's quite a lot of blokes over the age of 40 there and i don't disrespect those guys because i'll be joining them <laughs> before i know it a lot of a lot of tote bags and like, yeah, yeah rough, denim rough jackets, trade, yeah. tote bags mm -hmm. and all that sort of thing like it's kind of maybe that kind of audience which is very plugged into BBC Radio 6 and it's like and then there's young people there as well but I, I sometimes wonder whether or not there's almost two age groups in terms of who goes to those gigs and I think those bands they're great but they do sound quite a lot like bands around in the late 70s and the 80s you know I think The Fall have been a huge influence on, on this recent crop of UK guitar music so then I'm like does a 22-year-old have to make music which appeals to a 45-year-old in order to be able to sell out a gig in Leeds? You know what I mean? Like, does that then inform the kind of music that 
young people create or something like that. I mean, I guess the, the flip side to that is UK rap is is doing really well in terms of gigs. You know, like you've got D-Buck Europe who last year did sold out two nights at the O2 and like yeah, yeah. D-Buck Europe are very, very much like artists who only appeal to people who are very young. I don't think Steve Lamax played in D-Buck <laughs> Europe. Well, I mean, the most notable case i think in the last couple of years was little sims right he had to cancel a u.s tour because of rising costs of, mm -hmm. of tour so it's, it's as well as these kind of rising costs affecting the consumer they're also affecting the artists in many ways as well right yeah um i think since brexit now bands have to pay for visas to tour in europe whereas before mm. that was free mm. so obviously that's a lot more paperwork a lot more organization a lot more actual money and you know in america it's a similar thing they're looking at introducing They've, they have visas already, but I think they're looking at introducing the price and increasing it by like 250%. Wow. So, and this is wow. after obviously Sims has been like, it's too expensive to tour over there. Not because they're not popular, just because. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Just because of how expensive it is, but there's going to be an extra increase on top of that. So mm. it kind of sounds like more artists are kind of going to have to bite the bullet and either take a loss on touring, which doesn't seem fair, or just cancel tours altogether. Mm. I've, I've started to notice a few acts doing. Um, like acoustic tours of Europe right. instead of full-blown tours. I know Beba Doobie's just announced one. And I know Bully, who's like a grunge, like uh -huh. full-on rock band from America, they're, they're kind of doing an acoustic tour over here. And, you know, that might just be because they want to, you know, strip the songs back and kind of do something different. But it does kind of feel like, oh, maybe this is a way of them trying to navigate having to take three or four extra people on the road with them yeah yeah i mean i've noticed like some artists who make sort of guitar oriented music like uh is that ken hupler he was just kind of performing with just a pa and he makes mm -hmm. like he's kind of like a pop punk revival artist finn foxall who was kind of a rapper but i heard someone say about an actor on, on, on their label they're like oh well you know it's really expensive for them to tour because like they've got a live band with them it's like and didn't Ian Brown do it? That's a real shock, right? Because like Ian Brown's Ian Brown, mm -hmm. like he's gonna sell a lot of tickets, but like mm. the idea of him playing like I want to be adored, like just on his own, <laughs> strange. And so, are, are there any kind of artists who are who you feel like are speaking out against sort of other artists uh, charging so much for tickets, or the general, you know, the general price of tickets going up? Who's kind of leading the way and sort of speaking out against that. Matty Healy did a interview recently with a US platform, I think, and he was saying that he insists that the tickets don't go over 40 to 50 quid. And he made the point kind of what you brought before. He was like, I want kids to come to my shows and feel inspired and go away and want to start a band. And I don't want just rich kids to come to our gigs and go away and feel inspired to start a band. And then he kind of suggested, like, he was like, that's why we tour so much. Like, we're coming back to the US after this. We're on a date. So the suggestion was there was that in 1975, play more tour dates than other bands so that they can make up the cash because they're charging less for their tickets. Is anyone kind of trying to um, reduce sort of ticket prices to their fans? Is any have you seen any examples of kind of people you know doing tours or doing gigs at, at lower prices to sort of encourage people to come? Well, slow ties on is one pound tour yeah, at the moment. Well. So what's the what? So the one pound tour is presumably what it what it says on the tin. Yeah. It? So slow tie is currently doing six tour dates across the UK. He's doing them in pubs slash small venues. It's one pound a ticket. 
there is a London day, but he's also doing Sunderland, um, Milton Keynes, uh, Blackpool, Exeter, so Bath. He's going a few places which bigger artists often skip, which is interesting, maybe another subject. It's not the first time he's done something like this. In 2019, he did the 99p tour. Um, so this inflation has gone up by yeah the inflation yeah. so he's charging an extra penny for it mm. I think it's, this is interesting this one because it's like last time when he did it it was just a 99p <coughs> tour which I presume he made an enormous loss mm-hmm. this one it's in partnership with Jägermeister he said something like oh being be able to partner with Jägermeister has allowed me to be able to do this so that- they've kind of underwritten the costs of it yeah, I right. mean, I presume, right, right. You, you know, so this is thing. So it's it's brilliant that an artist has be able to 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 tour for such cheap, but it's not actually feasible for him to do that at the minute without a, a big brand sponsor. Mm. I mean, it's worth noting. Getting back to what we were saying before, is he, I did see some um, some footage from it, and he is playing with a live band. So he's got a drummer and he's got yeah. got guitarists and stuff like that. <laughs> to promote his new album Ugly which is coming out in March and that's a lot more kind of punk and alternative rock leaning I mean it's great right like you know people who get to go and see him in, in a pub in Sunderland for a quid is is really brilliant but I don't know he's just announced a, 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 a big tour at the end of the year and he's playing Ali Pali and I'm kind of like you know I'd be interested to see how much the tickets are for that because yeah. it's like Okay, so it's great that maybe like a thousand people are going to get you to see you for a quid, but then if it's like eighty quid to see you, it'd be it'd be almost better if he like shaved off a fiver to a tenner of all of his gig tickets. Right, right, right. Then if he did like, because if he if the gigs tickets are expensive, then the pub tour maybe just feels like a bit of a PR stunt. Right. Yeah. Yeah. What are some of the some of the ways that ticket prices could be kept under control? Well, I, I think you kind of instantly if you kind of get rid of say Ticketmaster and partner with Dice who kind of do much more reduced fees I think it's like a couple of quid right as opposed to sort of 20% the booking fees yeah the booking fees because I think a lot of a lot of the extra money sort of comes with that doesn't it you kind Mm. of you go through your Beyonce tickets and they're 150 quid and then by the time you've got to check out it's closer to to two or three hundred sort of thing just because of venue fees and service charges and postage on a digital ticket and, and postage uh, on a digital ticket yeah they, I mean, they, that's <laughs> bonkers isn't it yeah. and and who and who could lead that change then so does does that require the artist saying look i'm no longer doing my tickets through you does it require the artist saying oh, is there is there some sort of regulation that could come at a governmental level you know where does that sort of change well, come i think from? ultimately all, all artists have control over what their ticket prices cost you know they might mm. say they don't but they're the ones oh booking. yeah nothing to do with me yeah they're, but yeah. they're the ones kind of booking this tour they've got a booking manager they've got a tour manager yeah. they've got people that they can say this is as much as I'm I want to charge people these are the venues I want to play and if I, you can't sell tickets elsewhere then why don't we go somewhere else but it kind of just feels like it's a lot more work than most bands are willing to put in it's like the the merch price cost I don't know if you've seen that discussion sort of recently so a lot of bands have been like if you sell them if you sell merch at a gig normally a venue takes a cut Yes. And there's been backlash because like it's gone to the point where I think it's mainly O2 venues and upwards are kind of taking 25%. And then bands are being like, that's extortionate. Yeah. You know, we don't get a cut the bar. Yeah. You know, that sure. sort of thing. You know, there would be, you'd be making no money tonight. if Yes. Yeah. 25% seems extortionate. So they're having to put the price of merch up, obviously, to kind of counter that. Mm. But a few bands have started doing like pop-up merch shops. So they go to a pub sort of down the road. Oh yeah, really? Selling their merch for 25% less. Oh, that's clever. Yeah. 
they'll be like bootlegging their own t-shirts. Like <laughs> genuinely, <wasn't. laughs> what about things like uh, c- could there be um, like there is for dynamic pricing? You, and you said earlier, Ali, there isn't a lesser version. You know, it only goes up; it doesn't go down. Is there something that should be happening? You know, can should there be te- cheaper gig tickets for people on job seekers allowance? You know, should it be for people under a certain age? Should there be people who are students? You know, should, it's, should something like that be brought in? There to are kind a of few help? bands who kind of already do something like that. Cool. Campesinos have done it for a few years where. They have the regular price ticket, and then if you're on low income, you can pay a, a reduced ticket price. I think it's like a five or a tenner. But I, you know, that stuff like that is brilliant, but it kind of only works in the middle. Mm. Like it's not going to work at your grassroots venue level where gigs are already as cheap as they can probably be, and it's not going to work on your like Beyonce's where tickets sell out so fast that reducing the price isn't really going to make much difference to who can kind of get hold of them. But like that academy sort of level, that where you're where you're banned, probably first two albums. I kind of feel like more bands can kind of do that, sort of keep a percentage of tickets back and offer them to people at a reduced price to kind of make them more accessible. What's that, what's all that selling out so fast about as well? You know, I feel like everybody <laughs> I know is trying to get Beyonce tickets. I don't know anybody who got them, but they all sold out completely. Is it bots? What is, what's what's getting them so quickly? I think it, I think it is the excitement of kind of the, the tours kind mm. of coming back after so long. But also I kind of think where gigs are announced you know, a gig announced on Tuesday, pre-sales Wednesday, general sales Friday, then it's like, you haven't got time to think about it. You're like, oh, there's all this excitement. I, if I want to go, I have to buy now. Mm. It kind of creates this kind of false mm. urgency to buying gig tickets. Yeah, I mean, there's that piece in The Guardian recently about uh, K-pop gigs in the UK. And I think uh, people complaining about the short-term ticket announcements because it's like the short-notice ticket announcement, sorry, because it's like, it's announced on Wednesday and then it's on sale on Friday. And if you, it's going to be 250 quid, like you kind of don't have any time to save for that mm-hmm. or plan kind of financially around having to make, suddenly make that, that commitment. Oh, I saw this the first time I seen it, but they were charging more for aisle seats. On yeah. that. It's just like, what? It's got to the point now where if you want to sit in the aisle of the O2, it's like an extra fiver. Wow, like it's, it's like the, a like a economy airline yeah. thing, isn't it? You <laughs> know, charge for the toilets. It's going to get to the point where it's like if you want to choose your own seat, it's going to yeah. cost you. But or you can just kind of turn up on the day and chance it. My name is Matthew Whitehouse, editor of the Face. Face podcast is produced by Frontier Productions, music by Lewis Culture, recorded at the Standard London. <laughs>